Yes, the eyes of truth are always upon you. Vladimir, they're watching you. You're going to got some explaining to do when you get up there or down there. <laughs> this is your host, Mystic Guy. This is Enlightenment Radio. We are here on time for some updated news. I mean, we have the latest reports. And then I'm going to play for you an ABC News. Now, our mainstream news media is liberal. They're biased. They're against Trump. They're against uh, uh, CNN News, all the uh, liberal mainstream media. And I'm going to sh- play a five-minute clip. They're making it sound like Ukraine is a waste of time. ABC News. And it's a different slant than all the news I've been playing for the past week. Russians are getting their ass kicked. And Putin is embarrassed. I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to have to get many me to come back over with more munitions. He had 17,000 soldiers desert the other day. Not desert to eat like pudding, but I mean deserted. <laughs> Walked away, dropped their weapons, and they don't want to fight anymore. They're having protests in Moscow. They don't want their soldiers, their men, to go out for no reason and die, come home in a body bag. Does this sound familiar, USA? Does this sound familiar how we suffered through that for over 20 years because of George Bush, George Bush Sr., Wolfowitz, who is at Donald Rumsfeld, Secretary of Defense, all those, uh, there was a name for them, neocons. They called them neocons. And they were warmongers, just like Dick Cheney. He was a warmonger. Dick Cheney, I despise. I despise his daughter. They're all anti-Trumpers, and they put him down all the time for no reason because he's, they're jealous because he ran his country much better than they did. He didn't have men coming home in body bags. You notice that? He stood up to Rocket Man and put him down. He quit firing rockets. They had dinner together. He got the he got all of these countries in the uh, UN to start paying their share of the UN money. The man has cojones. And I don't care what people say about him. Anyway, your man Zelensky's doing a good job. He's uh, let go of a major leader a few months ago, and this other guy is more strategically making things happen. So let's listen to the first batch of news we have regarding the. Uh, Turnaround. I see it as a turnaround now. We've already we're already in Crimea. Five hundred thousand Russians are fleeing Korea, uh, Crimea. I'm gonna get me a nice house there. Cheap. <laughs> Welcome to the journalist. The circumstances of the war between Ukraine and Russia are completely changing. Kiev continues to conduct offensive operations in Donbass and Zaporizhia. At the same time, 
Ukrainian forces continue to push into Crimea from the Kherson direction. The Crimean Peninsula is the most critical and strategic target of the war. That is why the Ukrainian army says that even its offensive operations in Donbas are aimed at relieving the southern front and concentrating additional troops from the victorious trenches in eastern Ukraine in the direction of Kherson. As such, the most striking offensive operations of the war are taking place around Crimea. The Crimean Peninsula has witnessed one offensive operation after another in the last few days, a first in history. The Ukrainians used a long-range missile system for the first time on the peninsula, destroying the most valuable Russian air defense systems. Here are all the details of the historic attack in Crimea. The Ukrainian armed forces fired a long-range ATACMS missile in Crimea for the first time around 3 a.m. this morning. After the attack, Crimea was enveloped in a red morning. This critical strike was carried out near the village of Olenivka. After the attack, the S-400 air defense system of the Russian army was reportedly destroyed. For the first time, the Ukrainian army destroyed the Russian S-400 air defense system from 300 kilometers with ATAC-MS missiles. It was also among the information that 17 Russian soldiers were killed after this attack by Ukraine. Five military vehicles belonging to the Russian army were also heavily damaged in these striking attacks. It is known that one vehicle has become completely unusable. The fact that the missile regiment of the Russian army was located in the area where the attack occurred increased Moscow's military losses. But the most important detail of this last important Crimean attack was that Russia could relocate its Black Sea fleet from Sevastopol. It is understandable that Russia is worried and wants to move its ships out of these areas. Russian officials believe that the Ukrainian army will continue its long-range missile attacks on Crimea. That is why Roman Svetin, military expert, AFU reserve colonel, flight instructor, believes that the Russians will act urgently. Roman Svetin emphasized that only 24 hours before the Ukrainian ATACMS missile strikes, 36 UAVs aimed at Crimea attacked the peninsula. According to him, if the Russians shoot them down, as they did at the Kursk nuclear power plant, they will have fulfilled their mission. However, according to the Ukrainian colonel, both drone and missile strikes have reached a level that Russia cannot prevent. In recent days, explosions have been heard near Yevpatoria. The SAM systems of the occupiers are located there. In other words, Ukraine has now completely blockaded Crimea. After such drone and long-range missile attacks, we can expect missile attacks on military facilities in Crimea again. Therefore, Russia is really considering the option of deploying its Black Sea fleet to Novorossiysk and the occupied territory. On the other hand, Ukrainian pilot instructor Roman Svetin stated that Russia cannot remove its aircraft from Crimea, otherwise it will lose Zaporizhia and Kherson. That is why MiG-31K aircraft were moved there. Until now, Ukraine had no missiles to reach Belbek except the Neptunes. The situation did not change until Ukraine used ATAC-MS missiles for the first time in Crimea. The attack on this airfield required ATAC-MS, Storm Shadow, Scalp at 300 kilometers. Ukraine proved in its recent attacks on Crimea that this can be realized, that is, that Russian resources can be destroyed with long-range missiles. However, in order for these missiles to penetrate Russian targets and achieve 100% success, the air defense system covering these facilities must be completely destroyed. 
the Ukrainian special services are currently fully engaged in these tasks. According to the AFU reserve colonel, any oil refinery, especially near the front line, is an absolutely legal military target. This facility provides fuel to the inhabitants. Without fuel, the army builds up and cannot fulfill missions. The Ukrainian armed forces have already established an area with a working radius of 500 kilometers in Crimea. The full-scale results of this work are very close. But do Ukraine's offensives and operations only cover Crimea? In fact, Ukrainian forces have already answered this question with offensive operations in Crimea, as well as in the Kherson Dnipro region. Currently, Ukrainian fighters are landing on the left bank of the Kherson region in groups of 50 to 70 people. Russian war correspondents have confirmed that Ukrainian defenders are conducting daily raids along the Dnipro River and are holding positions on the left bank of the Kherson region. Z Channel's Rybar reported the other day that Ukrainian forces were trying to advance in the Peshchanivka area and fully protect the bridgehead in the Krynev area. Other RF war correspondents reported that the previous day there had been a fierce clash between the Ukrainian and RF armed forces in the Dacha area. Z-war correspondent Kotonok admitted that Ukrainian defenders usually push Dnipro in small groups of 50 to 70 people and always move in three directions. At the same time, he reported that the attacks always started from the area of the Antonivska railroad bridge. In response, the invaders are trying to attack AFU positions on the right bank of the Kherson region. Just yesterday, the enemy attacked with 30 rocket-propelled grenades. Despite Russian attempts to stop the Ukrainian army, the left bank of Dnipro has seen an explosive situation. The Ukrainian armed forces made a powerful breakthrough south of the Antonivka bridge. Ukrainian defenders significantly advanced southward under the Antonivka highway bridge north of Olishki. Analysts citing Russian sources claim that the Ukrainian armed forces are holding positions in Kriniki despite Russian efforts to dislodge them from the settlement. One of the Russian officers in this area stated that seven Ukrainian assault groups are operating on the left bank of Dnipro. Ukrainian defenders are also continuing their operations along the road near Podstepne and Kozachi Lahari. After all these efforts, the Ukrainian armed forces reportedly liberated a new bridgehead on the left bank of Dnipro in the Kherson region and are still advancing in the area. With the Ukrainian army making decisive moves in the war, Russia is in a state of great anxiety and chaos. The Russian army and defense industry are struggling to keep up with the conflict in Ukraine. Moscow is therefore forced to turn to a pariah state for support. According to the latest estimates of Western intelligence, the Russian army is currently storing North Korean ammunition for use on the ground in Ukraine. According to the latest estimate by British military intelligence, the Russian military almost certainly has North Korean ammunition to support its special military operation in Ukraine. But the Kremlin has denied reports that Pyongyang is supplying ammunition to the Russian military. For to admit that Russian forces have to use the ammunition of a pariah state to continue their operations in Ukraine would be a clear indication that the Russian defense industry is unable to cope with the pace of clashes on the ground in Ukraine. For this reason, Neither the Kremlin nor Pyongyang wants this bilateral relationship to be officially exposed. But in fact, everything is clear. If North Korea maintains the recent scale and pace of military shipments, it will be on its way to becoming one of Russia's most important foreign arms suppliers.
alongside Iran and Belarus. Already, North Korea has allegedly sent more than 1,000 containers to Russia in the last few weeks. It is not yet clear what Russia has agreed to give North Korea in return. According to British military intelligence, North Korea's interest in this transaction will include a mix of other economic support, the provision of military technology, and cooperation in other high-tech areas such as space. On the other hand, it is unlikely that the package sent by North Korea to Russia is complete at the moment. British military intelligence has indicated that this was probably one of the main topics of discussion during Russia's recent high-level visits to North Korea. As we mentioned, North Korea as a pariah state has nothing to lose by selling arms to Russia. In short, while Ukraine is trying to save Crimea, Russia's most important strategic center, Moscow, is forced to get closer and closer to North Korea in order to get itself out of its predicament. Thank you for following us. Well, so you see the picture there is pretty positive. We've gotten, if we get the weapons that we need, now we've moved Russia into a corner. They have to keep those jets there. And now that those jets are uh, in place, that, uh, well, he's on the other line with my other consultant. <laughs> we're on the line. We got a direct line to the generals, to the White House. So we're keeping you up to date. This is Enlightenment Radio, your host, Misty Guide. And let's do another news reel. What it is, is uh, Vladimir's not admitting anything. He's already fired some generals. He's already lost 100 tanks. He's already lost 17,000 men on the field. Okay. So things will keep going. Here's some more. The recent offensives in Crimea and the severe losses in Avdiivka have left the Russian army completely disintegrated. Every Russian army soldier now knows that Moscow is dragging them into a chasm, despite the Kremlin's best efforts to conceal its unprecedented losses. The United States has lately carried out a very critical assessment regarding this massive disaster in the Russian army. The Russian army's current situation, as well as the most recent examples of capitulation and army desertions, were the main topics of the study. Thanks to the most recent posts and evaluations released by the U.S., the facts that were attempted to be concealed and remained unpublished due to the Kremlin's embargoes on Russian media outlets have surfaced. The release data also makes Russia's role in the conflict in Ukraine abundantly evident. Everyone who hears the explanation for why the Russian army has become involved in this is shocked. There has never been a more dramatic example of how Kiev took advantage of weaknesses in Russian leader Vladimir Putin's forces to achieve an advantageous outcome in the annals of global conflict. Like Moscow, Kiev did not specifically concentrate on media resources during this phase. Rather, even with Russians who chose not to engage in combat, the Kiev government was far more forgiving than the Kremlin. This caused the Russian army to seriously disintegrate over time. This is the war's hidden face. The most recent official and critical update from the United States has demonstrated the newest tragedies within the Russian army. Head of U.S. Army Special Operations Command Jonathan Braga said that Ukraine has eliminated 17,000 Russians from the battlefield without using a single weapon, both generally and left. The primary cause of Ukraine's ability to guarantee the surrender of a significant number of Russian soldiers without exchanging gunfire was described as an extremely accurate information operation. 
Lieutenant General Jonathan Braga emphasized that Ukraine might run effective media campaigns by taking advantage of the Russian army's low morale. As a result, Ukraine's propaganda campaigns have grown in importance in convincing thousands of Russian soldiers to resign from their posts. According to Braga, the Ukrainian military and intelligence services were able to obtain comprehensive information about Russian forces, equipment, and personnel by actively using social media. This information was then used to launch successful attacks against individual soldiers, thereby undermining their morale on a tactical level. It is a natural and customary military practice to undermine each soldier's resolve and morale, as well as the unit's general ability to sow doubt in their thoughts. The Kremlin is working to stop this trend, which has led to numerous instances of demoralization in the Russian army that Ukrainian operations might exploit. These include, among other things, Russia's harsh policies, such as the Soviet Union's practice of killing soldiers who disobey orders or flee during World War II. The soft side of Russia is something that Ukraine is well aware of. The Russian army already has a large number of men who are tired of fighting and are against Moscow. The harsh sanctions imposed on these Russian soldiers have only made Ukraine's attempts in this area more challenging. Does that sound to you like a uh, Ukrainian is uh, losing? Does that sound like the Ukraine is backing down? Man, they have made, they have demoralized the Russian army. They have in secret demoralized Vladimir Putin. He's not sleeping at night, people. His heads are going to roll. Something is going to break inside the echelon of his group. Some guys aren't going to show up for work and they're going to wonder where they are, somewhere buried out to sea. This is just embarrassing for him, and he's trying not to, but it finally got out. The Americans got the data. They put the data out, and it's finally getting out into the open. They better reconsider all this information before Congress makes a decision about allocating funds and more weapons. That's what they need. They don't want our boots on the ground. They don't want us. They got enough fighters. They got good fighters. Matter of fact, I'm dedicating the last song I play to those fighters who are dead in the fields of Ukraine. Soldiers from Russia who did not want to die in vain made the decision to either desert from the battlefield or submit to the Ukrainian army. The fact that 17,000 Russian soldiers surrendered or deserted is a devastating development for Moscow. As the Russian military continues to disintegrate, Ukraine has conducted an impressive series of media operations to highlight Moscow's weaknesses even further. The Ukrainian... See, they're using Vladimir Putin's own poison... That's how he does it. Social media, he, he posts lies, he posts uh, all kinds of propaganda, and that's what the Ukraine's doing, except they're posting the truth. That's the difference. ...have demonstrated remarkable talent in leveraging information to their advantage, whether it is convincing allies to supply additional weapons or making fun of Russia's failings in combat. Russia acknowledged this Ukrainian approach, on the other hand. But more and more Russian soldiers were abandoning the battlefield because it was too late. However, the Kremlin persisted. In an effort to improve opinions of the Russian army's effectiveness in rebuffing Kiev soldiers, the Kremlin sent orders to news agencies, telling them to highlight Ukraine's capabilities. This manner, by Russia's definition, it would be highly inflated to claim that Ukraine has ever defeated the West or the US on the battlefield. However, things did not work out the way the Kremlin had anticipated. As Russian President Vladimir Putin claimed, the Ukrainian army did not capitulate in three days. As a matter of fact, the Ukrainians have now eliminated almost 300,000 Russian soldiers from the fighting. The Russian army has not sustained a more severe wound since the Second World War. The Russian army's faith in the war has therefore crumbled. Russians became more vocal in their opposition to war and the Kremlin.
At this time, Ukraine intervened once more, encircling the dissident and anti-war soldiers within the Russian army. In order to do this, Ukraine established the I Want to Live Surrender Line. The Surrender Hotline is currently seeing an unprecedented volume of calls, and each day it is assisting an increasing number of Russian soldiers in leaving the conflict and providing them with a fresh start. With the Surrender Hotline, Kiev may have made the most advancement to date. 21 operations to remove the surrendered soldiers have been finished as part of the mission. 216 Russian soldiers have turned themselves in as a result of the activities under the I Want to Live project, which the Ukrainian government started, while 1072 Russian soldiers are awaiting their turn to be securely moved to the front lines. Russian soldiers occasionally carried military hardware as well. More than 48 million visitors from Russia and the temporarily occupied parts of Ukraine reportedly accessed the I Want to Live website, according to recent reports. After these visits, the I Want to Lift organization got over 25,000 applications from Russian soldiers looking to surrender. On the other hand, these numbers greatly worried the Russian government, which therefore moved to obstruct Ukraine's striking measures. Russia's telecom watchdog, Roskomnetsu, blacklisted 256 of the platform's domain names. The I Want to Lift project is still pulling Russian soldiers out of the conflict, despite Russian efforts. The number of applications from Russians is rising daily since the successful execution of Operation Sinitia, which involved a Russian fighter pilot who flew his helicopter to Ukraine before surrendering. According to the coordination headquarters, active personnel in the Russian army and other armed forces submit dozens of applications through various channels. They stress that the only genuine chance for the Russian military to come home safely is to apply for the I Want to Lift project. In fact, it is evident by comparing the two forces' disparities that Ukraine has the advantage over a considerably better equipped army. The way Kyiv views its people and its army is significantly different from Moscow's. Let's examine Volodym Zelensky, the leader of Ukraine, more closely in order to better grasp this distinction. Volodym Zelensky wished the soldiers of the Ukrainian artillery, missile, and engineering forces a happy professional holiday. The head of Ukraine praised the commanders and presented state prizes to the nation's defenders. Zelensky also pointed out that the defenders' victories provide new operational possibilities for Kiev's and the Ukrainian army's missiles every 500 meters. The fact that a head of state does not give up the fight and stays in continual communication with his troops, even though this may seem like a very tiny matter, makes all the difference in the world. Zelensky has, of course, continued to innovate in his army's mechanical and strategic domains in addition to collaboration and unity. The head of Ukraine most recently made important announcements regarding Kiev's military plan. Zelensky took over as the head of the Ukrainian Armed Forces Special Operations Forces. Colonel Sery Lopinchak's appointment was mentioned by the head of state. The Armed Forces of Ukraine appointed Lopinchak as their new Special Operations Forces leader. The president of Ukraine claims that Lopinchak is a capable commander, a seasoned combat officer, and someone who can strengthen the Special Operations Forces. General Viktor Horenko, the leader of the Ukrainian Special Operations Forces, will remain in special roles inside the Ministry of Defense's Military Intelligence Service. The Ukrainian president also proposed legislative amendments in addition to new military actions. Zelensky mentioned that on November 3, he signed a significant measure. The subject of this law was national communities. It also enables the application of an additional requirement for European integration. Significant information on the EU accession process and the application of the European Commission's recommendations may be found in the resolutions articles. To put it briefly, the Russian leadership is forcing its forces to fight in a conflict that even it does not believe in, hoping to win, while Ukraine is implementing more positive and helpful policies.
Naturally, Russia has more authoritarian and repressive policies than Ukraine, which is built more on volunteerism and patriotism. Would you kindly determine in the comments if such a tactic is effective? On the front lines, the war is in full swing, and things are always changing. The situation is changing dramatically as a result of the increased attacks from Ukraine in recent days. These states utilize their resources during wartime. Conflicts like this may be observed all over the world. The state mobilizes resources for security-oriented policies. The people's safety is therefore guaranteed. International legal institutions and security-oriented unions are two examples of determining elements in international policies. When all of this is considered, public opinion must be really persuaded in order to guarantee security. Outrage at Russia's invasion of Ukraine has been expressed in numerous places. Numerous states denounced the aggression and declared it illegal. Similarly, tensions have been imposed by international courts on the guilty, including arrest variations. Russia has been and is still subject to significant embargoes. Actually, there was only one purpose for all of this, and that was to stop the Russian invasion. A robust presence of the Ukrainian army resisted this attack. One of the turning factors in the conflict was the Brukrat and Ukrainian army's deceitful behavior. Russia was taken aback to find a formidable military opposing them in politics. Russia has encountered more challenges since the Ukrainian army switched from a defensive to an offensive posture. The Ukrainian army has been battling with great commitment over the past few days, preparing intense attacks on the Russian troops. The Ukrainian offensive has severely damaged the Russian forces. When you're ready, let's examine the most recent advancements as a group. The Ukrainian artillery unit launched a strong onslaught the other day. The Ukrainian forces missile attacks resulted in the destruction of several Russian targets. The attack specifics were rather unexpected. The data provided by the Ukrainian military intelligence allowed for the attack's precision. Russian Dnieper military group headquarters in South Arkerson were the target of Ukrainian artillery fire. The region had been under observation by Ukrainian military intelligence for a while. Although strategic intelligence was unavailable, everyone was aware of the Russian presence in the region. This critical information was being sought by Ukrainian military intelligence. The data that was gathered from the ongoing observation and reconnaissance efforts was crucial. The most important information regarding the Russian headquarters in the area was available thanks to Ukrainian military intelligence. All that remained to do was press the button to initiate the procedure. The most crucial information is held by Ukrainian military intelligence, including the quantity of soldiers stationed at the Russian headquarters, the hours of operation, the state of the soldiers themselves, and the state of the ammunition and weaponry. Military intelligence in Ukraine sent the information to the Ukrainian army. After that, the operation's prerequisites were completed. The Ukrainian army started a missile attack later that evening. Before they were aware of what was happening, the Ukrainian rockets struck the Russian forces with deadly force. Many Russian soldiers and weapons were destroyed as a result. Russia declared in September 2022 that Kherson and the southern Zaporizhia region, together with the eastern Donetsk and Luhansk regions, were participating in an action. The region is not entirely under Moscow's control, though, and Kiev's continuous contra-offensive is aimed at regaining the territory. It is thought that the Dnipro forces that the Ukrainian army was aiming for were there to protect the area. In the continuing battles in the area, Ukrainian forces are making progress. Now, they're making progress. You heard all the defeats there 
Now, I want to take this time to play a short, I believe this is uh, ABC. If it's not, then I'll have to find it. Their different and their contrast view of what's going on. I want to interrupt that and let's see what they have to say. With the world's eyes fixed on Israel, Gaza, and Hezbollah in the north. Listen Russia to their slanted news. Major new offensive in eastern Ukraine on a scale not seen since last winter. Thousands of Russian troops are being thrown into a massive assault. And the scale of the offensive suggests Russia is now seeking to shift the tide of war back in its favor after months on the shift the tide back in its favor are you kidding me you're on the run to strike russian helicopters it's a war that's being fought long and hard and it's one that tom sufi burge is covering for us in our prime focus tonight from ukraine through a ruined and lifeless landscape ukrainian forces have been locked in a bitter and bloody fight to try and drive Russia's invading army back. Artillery raining down along hundreds of miles of front line. With each Russian trench line position retaken, it's a heavy cost. Yeah, it's a heavy cost for the Russians. The Ukraines are not taking the heavy losses. Combat medic Victoria preparing troops for... Oh, you ought to see this woman. She is brave. ...tending to a constant stream of life-changing injuries. It's a living hell, really, especially for the infantry guys and girls who are fighting in everyday trenches. It's living hell. You lose somebody you know every single day. The U.S. and its allies helped plan the Ukrainian counteroffensive, providing intel and new weaponry most of which was committed on Ukraine's main axis of attack in the south. But Russian mines ripped through American armored vehicles, with dense minefields injuring and trapping Ukrainian troops, making them an easy target for Russian artillery. Much of this video, published online by a Ukrainian war journalist, is too graphic to show. Taras lost his arm during an offensive operation in the south. There were seven men in his unit. He believes four of them were killed. They were badly outgunned. Moskovsky army велика перевага артилерійського, що немає підтримки з авіації, з них хватає. І тоді іде піхота, і піхота гине. І можна сказати, що не оправдано, але це дуже велика, ну, дуже велика ціна цих всіх. A lack of air support for Ukraine's ground forces has been a major problem. We filmed with this Ukrainian attack helicopter crew when the counteroffensive was beginning. Russia has many more helicopters and fighter jets, and superior types too. See how they make it sound like they're so superior, so much. Uh, look at this slanted news. It's just slanted. Yes, they got bogged down in that first offensive, more in the mines, and they did that of an effect on them. But they turn it around against an enemy with more firepower. Ukrainian forces in fierce battles throughout the summer made minimal gains. Made minimal gains. Baloney. Made minimal gains. Baloney. See, they're going back two or three months. They're not current news. Some of Ukraine's best units, like the 3rd Assault Brigade, fighting for months almost non-stop. Well, this is a training exercise. We're moving through this tree line following Ukrainian troops. But we're right near the battle zone. These men have just come off the front lines. They've got to get this right. Storming Russian positions quickly when they go back into those fierce battles again. 
With Ukraine's progress stalling, Russia has this week been mounting its own. With Ukraine's progress stalling, there's 500,000 Russians fleeing Crimea and the bombing of the Crimean air base, putting it out of commission. Does that make it uh, sound like he just said? Fresh offensive in the east. Advancing Russian forces have taken heavy losses, according to the Ukrainian military. Well, it's about time. With winter approaching, the Ukrainian commander predicts the war will drag on. Well, that's enough of that. You get it. ABC News is basically just reporting months ago stuff when, in fact, Russians have lost 17,000 des deserters, 100 tanks in one day. 500,000 Russians are fleeing Crimea. Does that sound like... <laughs> Let me, uh, let's go back to the other news and we'll come back. On the eastern bank of the Dnieper River, under Russian control, Ukrainian troops are still there. Mikhail Tapolinsky, the carnival general, was acting as the group's commander while they were in the region. After the Ukrainian offensive, there was no information available regarding Tapolinsky's status. Tapolinsky, who had been given a new assignment to lead the unit in the area, was attacked by the Ukrainian army, while Makarovic, the previous Russian commander, was supposedly removed due to differences between his report and the actual situation. Makarovic's report said that the situation was much better than it actually was. Because of this, Russia's military posture in the region is of the utmost importance. The Ukrainian army maintains its position in the region and continues its offensive operations in the left sector of Kherson. The Ukrainian army is moving forward with its offensive plan, and the results of the attack that came before it are beginning to become more clear. The primary tactic that the Ukrainian army utilized was to inflict a sufficient number of casualties on the Russian forces in order to pressure them into quitting the conflict. By killing enough Russian soldiers, this was possible. In order to realize this objective, Russian airfields, ports, and other facilities were rendered inoperable. Russia was subjected to a large number of operations, many of which resulted in catastrophic destruction. Images that emerged throughout the course of the previous day revealed that the Ukrainian attack was successful. The day before, the Ukrainian army hit the Minsk Rapucha, which is one of the most prominent ships in Russia's fleet. Yes, it put out a new ship. They didn't even get a chance to use it. That's a major step forward. We're going to, she said it all. She's got so much more positive news. We'll be back. You are in tune to Enlightenment Radio, home of the ultimate knowledge of body, soul, and spirit, and unlimited music 24-7. Be sure and visit our website at enlightenment-radio.com. There you can journey through the mystical voyage and also view our schedule of programming. Thank you for listening.
Okay, I'm going to cut that station break short. Now we've got an interview here, and it's going to be in Ukrainian language. Hopefully you will appreciate it, but it's about the I Want to Live project. And this guy's talking about the I Want to Live project and how successful it is that these Russian soldiers are able to utilize it. We're trying to find a phone number. It's posted on our UkraineTheHeartOfHope.com. We've got the article posted up there, I believe, Robbie. And also, we're looking for the phone number. <laughs> it would be important. We found several articles. We just can't find a phone number. We'll get it up there. This is the I Want to Live project. Добрий день, я Олександра Клітіна, журналістка Київпост. Сьогодні з нами Віталій Матвієнко, спікер проекту Хочу жити. Добрий день. Вітаю вас, пані. Розкажіть, будь ласка, про свій проект. І, ну, я правильно розумію, що, тобто, росіяни, загарбники, що фактично хочуть анексувати наші території, можуть подзвонити, здатися в полон. Це можуть позвонити, здатися в полон ті росіяни, які не бажають брати участь в загарбницькій війні, які не підтримують путінський режим. Це і частково мобілізовані, і ті військовослужбовці, які на службі, яких ще там не перекинули на територію України, і вони не бажають воювати, у них є така можливість добровільно здатися в полон. Таким чином вони зберігають собі життя. І їх менше на фронті. А скільки вже цей проект функціонує і скільки заявок було здатися в полон? На базі координаційного штабу з питань поводження з військовополоненими було створено державний проєкт «Хочу жити». Старт проєкту відбувся 18 вересня. Він працює, він діє. За цей період у нас поступило більше трьох з половиною звернень, як в телеграм-канал, так і на телефони гарячої лінії. Телефонують, пишуть, звертаються і, відповідно, у нас працює в телеграм-каналі, в телеграмі, вибачаюсь, чат-бот, такий називається «Хочу жити бот». Його досить легко знайти. І там є форма заповнення, анкета, де або військовослужбовець Російської Федерації, або там ще не мобілізований, або вже мобілізований, який не бажає воювати проти України, може заповнити цю форму. Це є попередня здача в полон. Тобто він таким чином заявляє, що він не хоче воювати. Це все зберігається в нашій єдиній базі. І коли вже він буде на території України, то ця інформація там підтягується, він телефонує ще раз до, на телефон гарячої лінії, і тоді вже там відбувається сама процедура здачі Ну Це унікальний проект, тобто такого ще, наскільки я розумію, в світі не було, здається, правильно? Так, абсолютно вірно. Такого проекту, в принципі, багато чого, що зараз відбувається в Україні, через війну у світі такого не було попередньо. Ми, ми Проходимо це, український народ це проходить сам, і багато що створюється з нуля, і ми, бо в інших країнах і державах такого досвіду немає, і цей досвід зараз набуваємо безпосередньо. Україна як держава демократична демонструє в першу чергу і всьому світові, і власне, і самим собі, що ми люди, які бажають жити, хочуть жити, хочуть жити мирно. І ті е, люди, які з країни агресора, 
військовослужбовців, мобілізовані, не бажають воювати. Україна пропонує варіант зберегти собі життя. Власне. А скажіть, в основному, хто телефонує на цій лінії і ну, які питання задають? На початку більшість дзвінків була, як правило, з території Російської Федерації, з різних регіонів. Телефонували ще звичайні цивільні люди, ще не мобілізовані. Вони, як правило, там говорили, що от-вот нам дадуть повістку, я не хочу воювати, але я там до цього... Так, да, світло вимкнулося, тобто це Київ. Але це нас не зупиняє, ми адаптуємося до цих умов, ми не боїмося таких відключень, ми не боїмося ворога, ми чудово знаємо, що Україна переможе. Все, що б не робив ворог, він не досягне мети, тому що за півроку повномасштабної війни сам народ, українці доказали, Самим собі, О, бачите, світло з'явилося, доказав те, що ми любимо свободу і за свою свободу, за своє майбутнє, за майбутнє своїх дітей, рідних і близьких, ми будемо боротися до кінця. Тому ніякі там перешкоди, перепони, відключення світла, опалення, нас це не зупинить. Спочатку це дзвонили люди, телефонували, які ну, тільки ну, боялися, що вони отримають повістки, а зараз вже телефонують мобілізовані, які на території, правильно? Телефонують мобілізовані, які ще на території Росії і тимчасово окупованих територій Донецької області, Луганської та території Криму. Окей, я думав, що це буде цікаво вам трохи. Це просто вкус цього інтерв'ю, яке було дано людину, яка працює в керівництві «Я хочу проєкту». I want to live project. We've got it. Uh, I'm getting the link to it. It's posted on our Ukraine, the heart of hope website. And uh, we're looking for the phone number. You Ruskies out there who don't want to die, you're going to get killed. You're going to lose in the war. Hold on a second. I'm going to one more news article and then we will finalize our show. But this is all good news as far as I'm concerned. Welcome to the Journalist. Ukrainian armed forces destroy the air defense system in Crimea, hold the Kherson bridgehead, and fend off the Russian advance in Donetsk. On the battlefield, Ukraine continues its slow advance on the Robotina-Pobova salient of Zaporizhia Oblast, while establishing a bridgehead across the Dnieper River in occupied Kherson Oblast. Published geolocation imagery shows Ukrainian forces moving southwest towards an area west of Robotina. The Ukrainian Marines say they have established a bridgehead across the Dnieper River in the town of Kriniki in the occupied Kherson Oblast. A Ukrainian mill blogger, who says he is a combat medic in the 35th Marine Brigade, reported that Ukraine is using drones to resupply its forces in Dnieper. In addition, Ukrainian defense forces continue to conduct offensive operations in the direction of Melitopol inflicting manpower and equipment losses on the occupying forces and exhausting the enemy along the entire front line. Meanwhile, Ukrainian armed forces are fighting a major Russian offensive in Avdivka in Donetsk Oblast. Russia is conducting an intensive offensive to encircle Ukrainian troops in Avdivka. The offensive actions of Russian troops in the settlements of Novokalinovo, Avdivka, Opetna, 
and Pervomyska in the Donetsk region have failed. Here, Ukrainian defenders repelled more than 10 enemy attacks. The Russians are unable to advance on the front lines and continue to suffer new casualties. Today, Ukraine's Asgard Special Forces captured a large convoy of Russian armored vehicles and T-72 tanks, a number of Russian weapons, including multiple rocket launchers and various air defense systems. Described as an elite drone team, the Asgard group is among a number of Ukrainian units that have utilized a variety of drones to gain the upper hand in the 20-month war. Elite Asgardians discovered a Russian convoy moving from Bakhmut Horlivka Istakamp to attack Ukrainian positions in Avdivka. The Russian convoy approached Avdivka by crossing the Krivi Toritz River over the bridge at Verknohotoritska. This route was one of the shortest routes to Avdivka. The Ukrainian elite troops knew all the Russian attack patterns. This gave the Asgard forces a great advantage. They felt safe because the Russian convoy was not yet in Ukrainian artillery range. This was a great opportunity for the Asgardians and Asgard elite troops took advantage of it and destroyed the Russian convoy with a tactical ambush. As is well known, drones are widely used by the Ukrainian armed forces in many frontline missions, including kamikaze attacks, as well as locating and targeting Russian assets. Today, Colonel General Oleksandr Sirsky, who commands the Ukrainian ground forces, said that the Asgard group destroyed a Russian armored convoy. Sirsky said that Ukrainian Asgard fighters also targeted and destroyed one of Russia's two S-9 Nona self-propelled mortar systems, BM-21 Grad multiple rocket launcher, MSDAB towed howitzer, and two Russian air defense systems. On the other hand, Russian invaders tried to enter the positions of the 5th Separate Assault Brigade soldiers near the village of Klishchivka in Donetsk region. The Russians launched an attack on the Ukrainian positions with a group of armored vehicles, but thanks to the coordinated actions of the fighters of the armed forces of Ukraine, the enemy's armored group was destroyed. As the soldiers noted, behind every destroyed enemy equipment is the painstaking work of professional gunners, UAV operators, and artillerymen who risk their lives every day to bring the victory closer. Also today, Alpha Group soldiers used an FPV drone to destroy the Russian TOS-1A Solinsepio heavy flamethrower system in the Avdivka sector. As a result of the UAV's warhead hitting the rocket launcher tubes, the ammunition caught fire and the fire turned into an explosion. The heavy flamethrower system was hit on the left flank of the Avdivka salient between Krasnohorivka and Verkhnyotoretska, just five kilometers to the north from the front line. The area of destruction of the Russian artillery system was geographically located in the Novoselivka Druha area. The loss of the artillery system was due to its close proximity to the front line due to its short firing range. In an update posted on social media, the Ukrainian general's staff reported that Russia had lost eight tanks in the last 24 hours. According to Kiev military data, Russia has lost a total of 5,175 tanks since February 2022, but it is unclear whether Ukraine included the T-72 in Sierski's update. According to the Dutch open-source intelligence agency Oryx, between 24th of February 2022 and the beginning of October 2023, Russia lost 2,437 confirmed tanks. More than half of this number 
are variants of the T-72. The outlet on the record's losses confirmed as destroyed by video footage or photographs. Having failed to achieve success on the front line, Russian forces continue their daily bombardment of Ukrainian cities, towns and settlements. Such daily attacks cause widespread damage to private and public property and critical infrastructure, as well as injuries and casualties to the Ukrainian population. Kherson Oblast in southern Ukraine was the hardest hit by Russian shelling for two days. Head of the Kherson City Military Administration, Roman Rochko, reported today that Russia shelled Kherson City Center from the east bank of the Dnipro River. A local woman was injured in the attack, and more than a dozen detached houses in Kherson's Korobalny district were damaged. Yuri Sobolevsky, first deputy chairman of the regional council, told the national campaign that the attack occurred around 7 in the morning. The Ukrainian Southern Defense Forces reported that Russian troops carried out two missile strikes. Later in the day, Russia continued its armed attacks on the Korobelny district of Kherson, and at around 16.30, a civilian was injured in one of the Russian attacks, officials said. Russian troops shelled the village of Ivanivka, wounding two civilians, a man and a woman, who were taken to a medical facility. According to the Oblast administration, at least one civilian was killed and 11 others injured in Russian fire attacks in Kherson Oblast the previous day. Russian troops shelled Zelenivka in Kherson Oblast, killing one civilian. On that day, Russian forces carried out 90 fire attacks, firing 516 rounds of ammunition from mortars, artillery, grad rocket launchers, tanks, drones and aircraft. Kherson city was hit 20 times in one day. Meanwhile, there is an active war zone east of Kharkiv Oblast in northeast Ukraine. Russians are also carrying out cross-border attacks from Russia, targeting Kharkiv border communities in the north of the region. Oles Sinyahubov, head of the Kharkiv Oblast military administration, reported that a local woman was wounded in Russian shelling of the region. Other Russian shelling attacks took place around Kupiansk, According to the Ukrainian Air Force, Russian troops launched four Iskander-K ground-launched cruise missiles from occupied Crimea, targeting Dnipropetrovsk Oblast. The head of the Dnipropetrovsk Oblast Council, Mykola Lukashuk, said that the Ukrainian Air Defense Forces destroyed three of the Iskanders, while the fourth exploded in the air over the Krivi Rikh region. Sumy Oblast in northeastern Ukraine was liberated in the early months of Russia's large-scale invasion in 2022. However, Russians continue to open fire along the border, targeting the region's northern communities. The military administration of Sumy Oblast reported that Russian forces carried out firing attacks on three border communities in the region, with 17 explosions recorded during the attacks. The authorities did not report any damage or casualties. In some, the Russian Federation's aggressive behavior continues to negatively affect civilian life in Ukraine. We expect the Russian military's missile salvos targeting civilian settlements to increase in the coming weeks. The approaching winter season, worsening weather and frontline conditions, and wet and muddy ground will be the main factors for the Russian troops to turn the axis of attack towards residential areas. Despite these odds, President Volodymyr Zelensky remains confident that Ukraine will be able to achieve victory in the war against the Russian invaders. Thank you for watching us. Well, I'm confident too. I think that uh, if America, Congress, 
these people can get the message through. I think they need to be more organized somehow in getting the families and the mothers and the siblings and all of these are the stolen abducted children and the child trafficking. And if you could get Vladimir Putin into a country where they can enforce the Wanted for War Crimes Act and cuff him and haul him off to Gitmo, that would be nice. But in the meantime, you've been listening to Enlightenment Radio. I hope this news has given you hope and that, uh, you know, if, if he takes, if we let this go, then we will be culpable in the rest of the Ukraine being taken over, the west of Eastern Europe being taken over. Next, he'll be, he'll be in Poland. He'll run through Poland like ice cream. They're not going to defend that. They don't want to boots on the ground. Anyway, I hope this news gave you some hope. Go to our uh, Ukraine, the heart of hope. You'll see that I want to live. I was supposed to get a link to that. Ukraine, I'll open it up. Ukraine, the heart of hope. And you can switch that, by the way, uh, to English or Ukrainian when you're, when you're reading that website. That's a nice feature. Switching it back to English, it says, surrender by phone, interview with I want to live spokesman. Okay, so that's the link. I don't know where to put the link where you can get it, but it's on the website under, I don't know where the link came from. It came from my uh, who, my host for the website. But surrender by phone, interview with I want to live spokesman, leave a comment, Mystic Guide, and it's on there. I want to leave you with a dedication that is very moving and very touching song to those who have died fighting to save the Ukraine from an evil enemy. God bless you. This is Mystic Guide. See you this same time tomorrow on Enlightenment Radio. Mm -hmm.